Welcome everybody back to Friar Talk. Today we're going live. Not not a ton going on in terms of Padres news, anything like that. But we figure we break down some roster battles, um, give some spring training updates, stuff like that. And honestly, just go over any questions that you guys have right now. Um, any specific player breakdowns, anything like that. Kind of looking at like, okay, what's the outlook for that guy? Um, the main like roster battle, I would say, I, I would say there's two of them. Um, the main one would be Luis Camposano and Austin Nola. How the catcher position is going to look and how it's going to actually play out once the season starts. And then I think outside of that, we're going to talk about some pitching depth. Um, if you guys have listened to Bob Melvin talk about Julio Tehran, he's been praising Tehran a lot. Um, you also got Jay Groom, Cole Hamels, all these guys kind of vying in terms of pitching depth, who can make the roster, who's not going to. And we talked a little bit about Joe Musgrove before, but Joe Musgrove's injury is looked at as a very negative thing, of, of course, because Joe Musgrove is, a, is an ace pitcher. But – for the Padres, when you kind of have all these question marks about depth, it's going to give you another roster spot, and it's going to give you about three to four weeks to be able to rock with that guy and see what he has. So I think spring training, especially for the pitching side, is extremely interesting to see like who actually makes it onto the roster um, and who has a chance to start the year and, and get some innings, get some starts, and, and get some reps under their belt. So I think that in terms of pitching, we'll be talking about Jay Groom, uh, Julio Tehran and Cole Hamels, even though there's not too much to talk about for Cole Hamels, but mostly the other two. And then I, I think what we should start out with is Luis Campusano versus Austin Nola. I feel like this is the year because last year was not a very good year for Austin Nola. This is the year where it's like, all right, Luis Campusano, are you going to take, are you going to take over this job? Are you going to become a 30, 40% catcher as a backup? Are you going to play that much, you know, that much, that many games or are you just going to kind of fade out? And right now, if you look at Luis Camposano's numbers, they're not going to be too good. He's hitting like a buck 20 or something like that, a buck 30. But spring training stats don't really mean too much. Uh, Chase, you were at the game, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? And he, he had a ball 440 feet to dead center. So he absolutely it killed the baseball. Yeah, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. So yeah. when you guys are looking at catcher, what do you guys want the Padres to start the season with? Let's say it's the first month or two. How should they go into the season in terms of breaking down the playing time? What do you think about Luis Camposano getting reps? What are you guys kind of feeling in that end? Well, let me go first, or do you got your thought ready? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's very tough with Luis Camposano because maybe he's not really – he is definitely in a competition with Austin Nola, but he, I feel like he's more in a competition with – it's going to sound weird, but with himself, um, because it's not really a thing where he's going to, I don't think he's going to win the starting job. This is more of a thing where he's got to win playing time in general. And the thing with that is they're heavily relying on him. So he has to perform because we don't have another backup catcher on the roster. Last year it was Austin Nola and uh, Jorge Alfaro. Year before it was Victor Caratini and Austin Nola was out for most of the year. But, um, yeah, Austin Nola in his time in San Diego has done nothing to separate himself from from the pack to be able to say this guy's going to be not only our catcher for now, but our catcher for the future. I don't think he's – I mean, I think behind the plate last year he provided a good amount of value just because not a lot – there was not a lot of stealing. He's – you know, he's um, – he's uh, damn, what's the word I'm looking for? He's familiar with the pitchers, um, and, and, you know, he has a lot going for him in terms of how the pitchers think of him. 
So, of course, he was going to get a lot of stars last year, and Jorge Alfaro wasn't that good behind the plate. He had a big fall off at the plate, or he had a big fall off in the second half of the season. So, there was no competition for Austin Nola. But the thing with that is, it's concerning that Luis Campusano hasn't put on a good enough competition to at least be considered for the spot. That is very concerning. And it's funny because we've seen the power. The power is there, it's very good. He's hit the crap out of the ball in multiple instances, whether it be the major league level or yesterday or the minor league level, whatever it is. Um, but he's had he had one blunder already where he dropped a, a fly ball in foul territory. I believe he had another blunder not that long ago. Um, it's growing pains. I completely understand that. And I love – I really want to see Luis Camposano behind the plate. Um, but to start the season, you kind of have no choice but to um, – but to just roll Austin Ola out there for at least three or four of the guys, probably three of the guys to start the season. And then if if Luis Camposano doesn't pick it up, you're going to have to roll him out more. You're going to have to find a trade partner for, you know, not a starting catcher, but at least depth, catching depth. So you're going to have to find something if, if Luis Camposano doesn't pan out. There's, there's a lot of reliability. They're, they're heavily relying on him. We need him really bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, to start the season, Austin Ola should get a bulk of the load. And Luis Camposano needs to prove that that he can be at least a catcher that can, for this year, hold a 50-50 split. I agree. So I have an interesting proposal just because it's one of the first things that popped up is, okay, you want Campy to get reps and you don't want him to be sitting every day. What you can do is... This is if you don't want Kim to be an everyday starter right off the bat. What you can do is do kind of like a 3-2 split. Three games for Nola, two games for Campy. And in those three games for when Nola is catching, you can arguably put Capusano at DH just so he gets hitter reps. And Matt Carpenter used to play first base, correct? I'm not crazy. And you could put Carpenter at first and then leave Cronenworth at second. So when you put Kim back in, you can just move Kim to second, Cronenworth to first, and then you have Carpenter to DH, then you have Campy on a rest day. Or he's actually behind the plate. That way you have more flexibility with your lineup. You like Campy see reps and from MLB pitchers. Because so I think that's the most important thing, other than, you know, he needs his reps behind the plate. We also need to see if his bat can come alive at the MLB level. I mean, that's the one thing that we don't really get to see. We never got to see it with Mejia. We don't want it, the same thing to happen to Camposano. He really just needs reps at the plate more than anything right now. Because it it's one thing if his defense lacks behind, you can always make up for that and you can always work on your defense to get better at an MLB level. However, if you do not get the reps against MLB pitchers, you'll never know if his bat's going to come alive, whether or not his hit tool is going to translate or not. And you're just always going to be left wondering, is this kid going to be our future because we're never giving him a shot because he can't catch? Or is it because his bat isn't good enough? I completely agree with that. Because we've, we've seen that too. Like, you need to get consistent reps. And we, we've talked about that a lot, especially for these younger guys. And like Campusano, who's extremely unproven, you don't know what he's going to bring at the plate. Now, defensively, there have been a lot of concerns about him. But I don't know how you guys are both feeling, but... I feel like a lot more comfortable, at least from just kind of just watching him. I feel more comfortable with him behind the plate 
the first, like when he was a rookie, what was that? 2021, I want to say, maybe 2020. I forgot when he got called up. He looked really bad. Like he looked so lost behind the plate. And they've talked about how he has made massive progressions in terms of being able to call games, being able to catch, framing, everything like that defensively. Is he perfect? No, he still definitely has some growing pains and stuff like that. But overall, I think he's improved there. Now, the problem is, he like Isaac, you were saying this, but he hasn't necessarily gone out there and balled out, and it's been like, oh, he's clearly should start over Nola. He doesn't need to do a lot to get to the point where he's going to be getting three to two reps. Because, Chase, I think you're right. Like, I think right now, if they're going into the season, I think the Padres plan, and we'll get to what we think they should, or you kind of, you kind of showed what you were thinking, Chase, but Isaac and I can get to like what we're thinking in terms of the breakdown, but the Padres are going to go three to two or four to one in terms of every five games. They're not going to give Campy many reps because he hasn't earned them because he does. He has some weird blundery plays behind the plate and still does that stuff occasionally. And his bat isn't translating enough. And you, you look at his numbers in the minors. So last year, El, uh, El Paso, he had, he had, Almost 300, almost an 850 OPS. He balled out, right? 2021, over a 900 OPS, almost hit, you know, 300 again. In roughly 300 at-bats each of these years, he had 15 and 14 home runs. So he's hitting a ton of home runs. He's showing power. He's playing really well in, in AAA. But that doesn't really mean anything for him anymore. Like, if he doesn't, if he doesn't come in, and play really well this year, it doesn't matter that he played well in AAA. Like, he just has to earn his reps at this point. So, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, we saw that home run, and everyone sees the home run, and, and you see the talent there. And it's exciting, because that ball that he that he hit to dead center, he absolutely destroyed that baseball. And it was also a cool spot, too. You're down late innings. I think it was either the 7th or the 8th inning, and you have a go-ahead home run late in the game. So, it was really cool from that standpoint, but we need to see more of that. And I feel like, if there's anything that can happen to the Padres, it's Luis Camposano turning in like in the solid player into a solid bat. He's gonna have crazy lineup protection. If he's playing, he's gonna be hitting like eighth. Him as a hitter, to what he translates now, it's a lot different when you're super young in the league. But if he's been in the league hitting for a few years, what people kind of project him becoming is a much better hitter than an eight hitter. So it can be a strength for the Padres. The catcher position can become a strength. If you have him and Nola and he's playing really well and he's hitting good and I don't know if I don't know I'm not too excited about Nola to be honest just because of of stealing bases this year might be a lot easier and I feel like that's the big concern but I, I don't know I want to see Campusano turn out because he's been in the organization for quite a long time he's one of the only prospects that's kind of hung over through a few of these periods and the, the reason he has hung around isn't a oh well it's Jackson Merrill because he's so good oh it's Fernando Tatis he's so good oh it's these top in prospects notes because it doesn't seem like people want him because he's like kind of a limited player in terms of there's so many question marks defensively. So I, I really hope it works out, but I, I don't know. I'm not super confident in him becoming the well, full on starter. What are you going to say? Well, it was also because, you know, the Padres like, well, if you take Luis Campusano, we're going to also give you Eric Cosmer. So, what does it does it outweigh each other? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. What are you guys thinking in terms of uh, Chase? You kind of broke down the three two with sometimes uh, can't be DHing. I think that makes sense. 
Isaac, what do you see it playing out like, and, and what do you want to see from the Padres? There's still a lot of time in spring training left, so I'm hoping that it gets to a point where they're going to be able to rely on Luis Camposano to do a, a 3-2 split uh, with Austin Nola, and I think that's reasonable, especially because this is going to be – he got called up in 2021, didn't play at all in the big leagues in 2022, or maybe a few at-bats. And, I mean, this is supposed to be the year. I believe his ETA was supposed to be last year or the year before. So I understand catches might take a little longer, but I just don't feel like he's he's done enough to really separate himself. But I, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, he's going to come up. And we don't need him to do too much. Honestly, Austin Ola posts like a six. Can somebody check his OPS, please? It was like in the – it was like 650, something like that, 660. It's not that – hard it's not hard to envision Luis Camposano putting up maybe a 7 720 730 with decent defense that's already a lot more value that's 50 60 more points in OPS um 70 670 70 it was 650 and oh. if he hit 720 yeah right yeah see so that's a big improvement and it's not asking for much that's like I don't know what it I'd love if one of you guys could check up the normal OPS, like the average OPS for a catcher. Just saying. <laughs> but, Dude, it's um, it's gotta be lower than Noah, right? Yeah, it, I don't know, but um I don't know because you're gonna have outliers like Zunino and Romuto. Zunino, like yes, he's a he's a big outlier for sure. And so because he strikes out a lot, he gets out a lot, but his power numbers are crazy. Um, that's a good point, Chase. But yeah, I mean like I said, hopefully it's a 3-2 split. And if they don't get enough confidence, it, I mean, it's not like they really have a choice. They might have to go with the 3-2 split anyway because there's no one – who are you going to start? Pedro Severino? It's like there's, there's not many there's not many options. So you're going to have to roll with Luis Campusano. And you're going to have to do the same thing like in 2021. They were rolling with – at first it was Victor Caratini and Luis Campusano would catch every once in a while. But they would plug in Luis Campusano when they felt like offense was more important. But he didn't really show that that um, that offensive, I guess, power that that we kind of expected him to have. I mean, he'd hit the crap out of the ball, but it didn't amount to anything. Um, so overall, you know, going back to your question, hopefully it is a three-two split. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I know Joe Musgrove was comfortable with Luis Camposano behind the plate last year. Um, Blake Snell starting to warm up. Like you're starting to see a lot of the pitchers warm up to Luis Campusano outside of you Darvish. I don't think you Darvish will be caught by anyone other than Austin Nola. Um, but yeah, I think Blake Snell, Luis Campus, or um, sorry, Joe Musgrove, Nick Martinez. If Ryan Weathers gets a start, you can see Ryan Weathers. Jay Groom has been caught by Luis Campusano. There's a lot of guys that, that uh, you know, are comfortable with him and that provides opportunity. So he has to, he has to capitalize. Um, so I'm looking just at like the every catcher for OPS and there's at least 10 catchers that had over a 710 OPS and about another, what I say? You had a 650. There were 22 teams with a catcher over a 650 OPS. Barely, but there were 22 wow. teams. 
their catchers with over a 650. So we'd go into the top seven, you said? Uh, 720 would land right at, in between six and seven. Chicago wow. had an OPS of 721 between their oh – no, my bad. Atlanta – no, yeah. Atlanta had a 721. Chicago had a 716. Dude, we'd be nice. That's crazy, man. Catcher is such a shit show. Yeah, just a little bit. Just it's, a little bit. The good thing is there's a bunch of prospects coming up, too. I feel like the catcher position is going to improve. Not Can only we, for the Padres, but like for yeah. the entire league. Camposano really just needs to really just needs to hold it down until Ethan Salas is ready. Because I mean, I want Luis Camposano to be really good, but Ethan Salas is going to be a top two, top three prospect in in no time. I thought it was fucked them prospects. I see. <laughs> it always is. Believe me, it always is. It always is. It always will be too. But. uh we need them, so. Dude, no, it's just funny. They're, like, talking about this 16-year-old kid that just signed with the Padres, and they're saying, like, he's got Hall of Fame potential and everything. I'm like, no, that's the kid wicked. is 16. Yeah. That's wicked. That is The kid is 16. He doesn't even have a full minor league season under him, and he's, like, already the next most hyped prospect in possibly across the league right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's also crazy that he's been getting like at bats off to the side during spring and they're like, he's even better than we thought. <laughs> like it's not like the reports are like what? Like, yeah, he looks like who he is. It's like, no, like he's so ahead of schedule. It's like you guys already were talking about a Hall of Fame potential at 16 to begin with. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, no, it is interesting. If Campy, I mean, and that's what Campy's role is like. Camp this is his ETA. This is when he's supposed to fill in. So I really hope he at least starts two out of every five games. Like, that would be a big win for him. And I also feel like, I don't know how it's going to be, but I feel like in terms of his bat, I feel like there's just going to be a moment where it's like, all right, it's it's clicked in terms of major league pitching. Because we've talked about, like, oh, he has, has a lot of hard contact. You know, he hits the ball really well in terms of when he's been up in the league. And then he has great numbers and in, in, in projections in terms of his – prospect kind of rankings and in terms of his tri- his triple a numbers the last couple of years so i hope so i hope so um this is a good question though and then we'll and then we'll get into the pitching after this one uh but sanchez productions asks would you rather have solace paired with nola or campusano campusano right because solace is yeah, yeah. like he's gonna be unbelievable unbelievable behind the plate uh i mean yeah i i solely say campusano because that would mean he at least somewhat panned out if he's still with the Padres in that time, that means that he's somewhat a, a valuable player. Um, I was going to say, yeah, we're talking about like, the future, right? Salas is probably not going to yeah. be within the league within for like at least the next four years. And how yeah, old's yeah. Nola going to be in four years? That man's knees are going to be obliterated. His yeah, arms are going to be over. Yeah. Campusano, like. For sure, yeah, for sure. It's, it's got to be Luis Campusano. I mean – I don't know. Hopefully it gets to a point where you don't really got to worry about who it is because Ethan Thales is so good that, you know, neither of those guys are going to have to play too much. I mean, they're going to have to catch sometimes, but Ethan Salas hopefully 
ends up being so good that it doesn't matter. Kind of like your Salvis, your Yadier Molinas, um, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't, I hate saying that for a 16 year old because that's so much to expect, man. It's so unreasonable, but um, that's just the way they're talking. So naturally, everyone else is going to say that about him. And there's also also just like the hype from the organization too of like yeah. oh yeah, we're gonna bring him out there like we're gonna bring him to Petco we're gonna do all this stuff yeah. like they feel it too it's not like it's not like it's just like all like media hype they yeah. think that and they're letting everyone know that they think that too yeah mm-hmm. so yeah Campy Campy could get Mejia Mejia as well no one ever knows I feel like not to be pessimistic. It feels like that's more likely, right? Like that's I feel like that's almost our discussion right now is like please be better than Mejia, please be better than Mejia, like please pan out. Like even if you're not an yeah. everyday catcher, just be an impactful player in some capacity. Be yeah. you know, have a good bat, like produce somewhat. Yeah, so. that was that was supposed to be Mejia's big thing. He was supposed to have a really good bat. Yeah. Well, remember in the minor leagues, Mejia had that what was it? 50 something game hitting streak or something like that. Yeah. Ooh, something it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. When they tried my head left field row, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like when they tried Beth ever... and Court on the mound. Yeah, they tried Beth and Court on the mound. Didn't we just say we're going to see Beth and Court? Was it Beth and Court that's pitching or playing for. Ooh. I don't know. In the World Baseball that. Classic, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, he's he... in the World Baseball Classic, yes. Where's he from again? Panama? I think so. I'm not entirely sure. It's definitely not like one of the bigger teams. No, it's not. It's definitely not, yeah. I was like, um, of, yeah, let's go to the pitchers real quick. But speaking of that, I don't know if Juan Soto is going to play anymore. Oh, because he's a little banged up, huh? Yeah, his calf. We said he's feeling pretty good, but it's still a little like tightening up. They said yeah. he's... He's projected to come in a little bit delayed, right? Yeah, so he's projected to leave on Thursday or Friday. He's going to get treatment in uh, in wherever they are, Peoria, I think. He's going to be getting treatment there. Hopefully, you know, on the side, there's a little bit of a contract extension talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, Johnny V, do it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so we can uh, – yeah, let's talk about pitchers now. I mean, there's a big – it's not necessarily a big competition. Um, it, it's a few select guys. It's Julio Tehran and there's Jay Groom. Obviously, there's going to be Ryan Weathers also. But the problem is Julio Tehran, let's say he does make the roster. He's going to get $6 million. Now, obviously, that's not a lot. But that might be a lot for someone who might not pitch for the Padres for, for too long. So right now, from what you know, from what I've heard from Ben and Woods, from uh, Sammy Levitt, it's that Jay Groom is separating himself right now in, in Peoria and that the Padres are kind of getting excited for Jay Groom in terms of what, what they're seeing and what they think he could do in a starting role. His last outing wasn't um, anything crazy to start just because he didn't have his control really. But when he, when he, when he, you know, settled down, he ended up looking pretty good. And that's been, I think he's thrown like six, seven innings right now, scoreless ball, uh, a few hits, I think like three, four hits. I don't know, something like that, but, Right now, apparently, he he's separating himself from the pack. Julio Tehran also is getting some praise. So those are two guys right off the bat that when you think of this pitching depth competition, those are the guys that are locked in. They're they're locked in with each other right now in term and um 
those those guys are going to be the ones that are like, all right, if Joe Musgrove misses time, who's going to step up and, and be that fifth pitcher? And right now what Joe Musgrove is doing from uh, – apparently he's driving like four hours a day, going into this chamber, doing crazy stuff so that way he doesn't have to miss a start. Maybe to start the season, let's say he's not ready by opening, by opening day, right? Because let's say he's not even ready for another two, three games – Maybe you could put him at the five to start the season just so that way he, he doesn't have to miss a start. And you ride with that for a little bit and then come all-star all-star break, you change it up again. Just kind of that's kind of like what they do all the time. So um yeah, Joe Musker was doing everything he can to not miss a start, but in the event that he does, or even in the event, in the very likely event, that we do have to go to a six-man rotation, it's gonna be one of Tehran or um Groom right now. And Weathers, he's he's gonna cement himself in there. There's still a lot of time, but right now it's mainly those two. And the winner outright right now apparently is Jay Groom. I was gonna say, who do you guys want more? Would you guys rather have Tehran or would you rather have Jay Groom? Easily Jay Groom. Yeah, that's a that's the, I don't I honestly don't think it's easily only because it depends on your preference. You know, like. Julio Tehran's pitched in the major leagues before. He has experience. He has successful experience. He's been successful. Like he's had like a 3.91 ERA and and multiple seasons with within the mid 3 ERAs. However, he hasn't been in the league for a reason. So this could be more of like a all right, let's see what he's got and if we think, you know, if we got no other options then we're going to have to pay that 6 million to throw him in to start the season. But Jay Groom is separating himself right now so that now the potters might be thinking, hey, well, yeah, he looks good, but I don't want to have to pay him that because we have another guy in spring training that looks good and that we are excited about. So that could also be a thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it that's just because of youth and because we want the Eric Hosmer trade to look as good as possible. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Jake Groom. And so, wow, I'm not even just thinking that. It's we need another lefty. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's always nice to have another. You don't want to go out there. Okay, Blake Snell, you're the only. This is the only advantage that we're going to have. Every other game is going to be, okay, guys, hopefully the righty does his job. Having a lefty in there, you know, is a, it's a good thing to have. Uh, you know, you can really screw up a lineup, you know, if they really don't have anyone that can hit lefties. You know, it's a lefty is a lefty. I mean, you know, what what do the scouts say? If you're a righty that can throw 90, you know, you're a dime a dozen, but either lefty you throw 90, you're cream of the crop. Yeah, that makes sense. And and also, too, forget even this year as well about the lefty thing. Blake Snell's a free agent. So you need lefties for the lefty. future. And and that's why I think – that's why I said I, I would way rather have Jay Groom pan out, not necessarily for this year – but just in general for the Padres, Jay Groom is – think about this for a second. Jay Groom is 24 years old. He was the 12th overall pick. The reason that he fell down prospect boards and stuff was not because he played poorly. It's because he got hurt over yeah, and over injury. again. Yeah. Last season, he put up a mid-3 ERA throughout different – like I think it was like double A AA and triple A kind of combined between Boston and San Diego's farm systems. But he wasn't bad. Like – like he still has talent, and I remember uh, 
Chris Correa, he he came on the show. He's a he's a Red Sox fan, but he came on the show. Um, he did kind of like some reporting stuff. And when this trade went down with, with Hosmer, he texted me. He said, "Hey, dude, like, I know it just seems like a throwaway piece, but Jay Groom's actually very intriguing. Like, don't just look at this and go, oh, like, they traded for no one. Like, he's a legit guy. Like, if he didn't get hurt, he would probably be in the league right now. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Like, we'll we'll see how he looks." He's pitched six and two thirds so far in spring and has looked fantastic. Now, Tehran has looked up fantastic as well. Yeah, real quick. Johnny says this. He put up below a, a four ERA in El Paso. Rarity. Who's done that? Yeah. Who, what was Ryan Weathers like? 15? Like, oh. come on, let's be real. You guys want to hear a name? You guys want to hear a name with that? It's done that? Who? Matt Kennedy. Oh, wow. Throwback. <laughs> I was like, wow, I forgot that guy existed. <laughs> you guys remember he had like 10 plus starts in a row with like zero or one earned run in AAA. Yeah. Yeah. In, in El Paso last year, Jay Groom put up a 316 ERA in 51 and okay, a third. Holy wow. That that's is good. Impressive. That's better than you would have thought, right? Yeah, man. And I mean, it, it makes that sense. Yeah, he. I, it, that's all I'm, I've been hearing about uh, Jay Groom. Or yeah, Jay Groom is that he's been separating himself. He's he looks good out there. So that that's a really good thing. And um, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I think I think you summed it up very well. That it's been injuries that's been holding him back, not talent. The talent is absolutely there. He was a first round pick for a reason. He's I mean he's highly talked about by us for a reason. So um, yeah, the the talent's there, and and he's showing it right now. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think if dude, if Jay Groom can pan out, that would be that'd be a really big win for the Padres. Yeah, and we don't even need him to be. I mean, you know, you guys are talking about, um, you know, we need more lefty and stuff. Not completely understand that, but we don't even need him to be like, oh, this guy's gonna replace Blake Snell. At least for this year, we don't need him to be the guy that's gonna replace Blake Snell next year. We just need him to be like the swing guy or like a guy that. If we need a start from someone, it could be him, you know? that That's all we need. To me, that would be a success. I, I completely agree. Um, but for Tehran, I mean, Tehran's look good too, right? Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good problem. It's a good it problem is. to have. It is. It's course. a really good problem to have. It's funny. I like... Go ahead, go ahead. I was looking up Tehran's baseball savant numbers from when, when, he, from when he was good, and I was like, how? <laughs> I was like, how? <laughs> he does have a barrel card. He had a good yeah. slider. And he, mm-hmm. he was locating when he was good. That when sure. he had the location problems, you know, you don't blow a 90 mile power fastball behind anybody. Mm-mm. Very true. Um, Who else are you guys thinking? I saw, I saw some people talking about a couple different things. I know someone was talking about Jackson Merrill when he was going to come up. Let me check. I actually posted a poll on Twitter. Give me one second here. I'm going to look this up. There was someone else that someone said earlier. Let me find it. I said I would make sure we talk about it. No, Merrill. Uh, Merrill. Yeah, Merrill was the one. I love Jackson Merrill. However, will he survive the, uh, the trade deadline is, you know, honestly a better question. Like, no, let's be true. real. 
You, I mean, you heard what he said, right? Oh, Grish was the other guy that people wanted to talk about. So Grisham and Merrill, let's talk about those two. Um, Merrill, okay, so I posted this two days ago. I said, is Jackson Merrill going to join the MLB active roster sometime this season? About 300 people voted on it. 64% no, 36% yes. I feel like that is a very accurate representation of how I feel. I feel like probably not, but there's definitely a chance that he comes up late in the season if he tears it up. I wouldn't even say if he tears it up. I think it's more of if someone gets injured, he's there. Yeah, I I think everything has to have gone wrong, like like what Chase is saying. I think he could be a monster in Triple A, and even then, they're gonna be like trade bait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, that that's that's true. I mean, you, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard to gauge that because Jackson Merrill had a pretty high ground ball rate. He doesn't exactly have too much power. That's not going to be his thing. And maybe he's too young for that. Like maybe it's not like Fernando. Fernando came up and we knew he could hit nukes. He was the top prospect or second best prospect in all of baseball. He was highly touted. And, um, you know, Jackson Merrill might get there one day, but he's not that right now. So it's, it's a little bit of a different situation. Also, Fernando was on a much worse team than he than uh you know jackson merrill would be on right now so the situation right there is a little different i think if jackson merrill shows some power down in the minor leagues it could very well be you know said that hey if we need someone as a september call up or something like that yeah that you know it's going to be jackson merrill but i think we have to we have to see him be able to get the ball in the air a little more to uh, to really be confident in his ability to come up and and you know maybe not be an immediate success but provide depth. And that's what I was kind of thinking too. I was thinking September call up. Like you come in, the minor league season's basically over, and you play for a month as a September call up as like a depth infielder. Because right now, like who is he competing with? Egg, egg who Eggy when he returns, and Batten. Yeah. And Odor, and like it's not, it's not that crazy. Yeah. Nando had to replace Freddie Galvis. Merrill has to replace Bogarts. Let's hope he's not replacing Bogarts anytime soon because uh, Bogarts has got a few years left. Eleven uh, years. So, and, and, <laughs> well, you know, another thing that's that's important to remember about that is that you know, keep in mind the Padres didn't make any guarantees to Xander Bogarts beyond this year that he will be short the shortstop. I wouldn't mind if he played second. And I, I think, think it was. I, I, I think arm he, now. he does. Yeah. Wait, how tall is Bogart? How tall is Bogart? Six two. He could be a first baseman. How tall is he? He's six two. Man, he's got he's first six base two. Player. Yeah, he's huge. I didn't know that. <laughs> Bro, I would have guessed like five eleven six. Bro, he's, he's just almost like he's six two. Bro, okay, get this. Manny's listed as six three two eighteen. Uh, Xander is uh six two two eighteen too. Holy shit, <laughs> dude! Wow, there's man. no way that's it's still accurate. Honestly, when I saw Manny at, at FanFest, I was like, "Whoa, he doesn't look as big as I expected." Wait, Manny's listed at two eighteen. He's slim, dude. I would have guessed like, I would have guessed two forty. 
Bro, have you seen his leg? Maybe he feels he seems. I, I would have said like two thirty. I would have said two thirty. Me too. Have you seen his? But leg? I, also, I thought he was a little bit taller. Have you have you seen his legs? They're giant. No, they're there's really manny's. Yeah, bro, they're so tiny. Dude, you know what it is? He wears <laughs> he wears super baggy clothing. Like he wears really baggy clothing. Like Fernando wears tight stuff. You know, like Fernando looks super lanky out there because yeah. all the stuff is tight. Manny's wearing like super like big pants and stuff. That maybe that's why. I do, I always thought that he was huge. Yeah, dude, he's no, his Johnny, so he's, I don't want to go go look at his pictures in short, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That's surprising. Yeah, it's also weird too because Manny's also just you know he's known as being a power hitter, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, he's known as the swole guy in the clubhouse, which is the funny yeah. part. I remember them yeah. like posting, "Oh, Manny's swole." Obviously, he hasn't needed legs to to do what he's done, but. I just thought it was funny when I saw his legs for the first time. I was like, yo, like, there's just no possible <laughs> way. All right. What about Trent Gresham? How are you guys feeling? I feel like every year we, we have this discussion. We had it like yeah, three years already No, you already know. We, um, we've yeah, had this discussion way too many times. Yeah, this will probably be my last topic before I hop off, but uh, he looks great. It's unfortunate. He looks great. <laughs> he looks fantastic. And I don't know what he's changed. It seems like his stance changed back to what, what he used to do back in 2020. And, and we just know we're not getting any sort of consistency from Trent Grisham. It wasn't the thing even when he had a successful 60-game season. It wasn't the thing in the beginning of 2021. And it certainly hasn't been a thing since the All-Star break of 2021. Because ever since then, it's been pretty trash. So... Where maybe this is just a hot start and he's gonna cool off the way he I mean he does that. That's what he normally does. Um, but one thing that will never go away for Trent Grisham is that gold glove defense. The best, I mean, he's a top two, top three defensive center fielder in baseball right now. He's fantastic out there. So it's not like he has to provide that much value at the plate to be a very valuable player because. I think we've been spoiled in terms of what's been provided to the Padres up the middle, but players up the middle aren't supposed to be like Fernando Tatis, like Jake Cronenworth. They're not supposed to be hitting that good, um, though it's nice for us. Um, but Trent Grisham, if if he provides that kind of defense and he does hit 230, 240, 20 bombs type thing, then he's going to be a very valuable player. He will probably be a three four war player if he's able to do that because we just saw a very who who does that sound like i'll ask that who does that sound like that is pinpoint ha Seung kim a guy that hits 230 240 plays immaculate defense just put up a like a three seven three eight f4 that's very much so what trent grisham could be but the thing with ha Seung kim is that maybe he's not too consistent but he's much more consistent um, so, I mean, really what we're hoping from, from Trent Grisham is, you know, 230, 240 with, you know, like Nolan said, 20 bombs, something like that. 20 bombs, super realistic, but the average, it's a little scary. <laughs> I also think it's like one of those things is where when you compare Trent Grisham to the other center fielders in the league and you look at the top of the top center fielders, 
you realize that okay, he's got gold glove defense, but he doesn't touch them when it comes to a fast. Because mm-hmm. you look at top of the top, you got guys like Julio Rodriguez, Mike Trout, uh, Ronald Acuna. It's hard to compete when you're like, okay, well, yeah, he's a really good defender, but then you look at other this the other team center fielders. You know, you got you take a step down and. It's one of those things where if Grish could just hit, I would say even 225. If he could be like Ryan Schimpf where he hit like 225 and every hit was like a bomb, I would be okay with that. Pretty dope. <laughs> nah, bro. Ryan Schimpf was hitting like a buck 20 and every hit was a home run. It wasn't, it wasn't 220, dude. It was- and they were, dude, they were nukes. They were they bombs. Were <laughs> they were nukes. <laughs> But if you can hit like 225 with 20 home runs, my God, we would be unstoppable. Yeah. But the problem like- is, is that he can't even hit his body weight. No, it's true. And, and I see some stuff. Okay. I see a few comments here. Grish was a man in the playoffs. No, no, no. He, he was, was the man, man in the wild card round. Year. Even, even even the the LDS, he was pretty good, but I think he went 0 for 20-something. Yes, in the, did not get a hit. In the LCS, yes. Did not get a single hit. So that's the thing. And then John also says here, bro, if Grish could just get on base a lot more, it helps off so much. Well, he does get on base. He walks at like a 10, 12% clip. The problem is he hits literally dead last in the league in terms of average. Like that's, that's the thing. Like So when you guys are talking about it, like hit 220 with – you know, with 20 bombs, he's going to hit the 20 bombs. He's going to walk it at a good clip. He just needs to hit. He doesn't need to hit average. He needs to hit below average, and he would be a very valuable player. Like, think yeah. about that. And, and that's why he's such an interesting case. That's why for however long Trent Grisham is here, unless he really, really turns it around, we're going to always have this conversation because I'll be completely honest, honest with you guys. Every time I watch him, I, I get a little excited. And I kind of like talk myself in my head like, oh, maybe this is a year for Grish. Maybe this is yeah, a year. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and then I see his weird-ass swing, and I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, he hit a home run the other day. Did you see that home run? It, he oh, just yeah. Looked, yeah. It just looks weird. Yeah, it looks like his he looks like so the most like, awkward in the league. Yes. Yeah, know. so, I mean, what someone said something about on base. See – I could see why that person said that last year. Trent Grisham's on base percentage was 284. It wasn't that good, but normally it's not that. Like 2021, he put up a 327 batting average, or not batting average, sorry, on base percentage, 2020, 352. So in 2020, 808 OPS, 2021, 740. That's, I'm cool with that. In 2020, I was actually very surprised to see that he had better offensive numbers in 2021, like much better. And his war was pretty much the same. He went from a 2-2 to a 2-1, despite a very down, not even a down year, a very bad year. So um, he's turning into, he's turning it around. Why can't Grish? Yeah, because Jason Hayward plays for the Dodgers. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Dodgers have known to historically have turnaround players. I mean, they had Chris Taylor. They had Max Muncy. They had Justin Turner. They I can go on and on about the players they've transformed from nobodies to superstars. The problem with Grisham isn't that he doesn't get on base. 
he doesn't hit for power. It's the fact that when he swings, he doesn't make contact with the ball. Or he, he just doesn't swing at all. Or he doesn't swing at all. The guy has an elite eye. You look at his baseball savant page. He walks at an incredible rate. He doesn't whiff. Or no, he. Yeah. I forgot what it was. It was like he walks at. He a does whiff. He whiff. doesn't. <laughs> oh, he no, whiffs. He, but he whiffs at an incredibly high rate. He doesn't chase, but he whiffs like yeah. there's no tomorrow. When he swings, it's like you can feel the air. It's you're just getting free air conditioning. That's what it's like. And and that's the thing. This is what I feel like with Grisham. If you watch Grisham and he's hot, you can be like, dude, this guy's pro- this guy's probably one of the best players in the league. Like if you just watch that, right? Oh yeah. Like, when you're watching like every single game, and you know, it's game, say the 70th game of the season and Grisham comes up to bat in the fourth inning and the Potters are down by two and there's guys on second and third with one out. Like, great. The RBI opportunity stopped because Grisham is striking out right here. And then there's two outs and like Nola's up next. Like, that's how you feel. And like, he doesn't get guys over. And, and that's always the problem is like when, when guys get on, especially like, especially when the Padres offense is going through struggles and there's always guys on and they're not getting driven in. You know, there's always one guy that has go is going that's going through, and it's always Grisham because when he gets those opportunities, that's when he strikes out. That's when those those whiffs become a lot more impactful than just like, all right, there's no one on base. Like that's when you feel it. So I feel like that's the thing with him is like it's a lot of like it's not even like when you look at his actual numbers sometimes, but you just know like, dude, I know he's not going to get these guys over. I know he's not going to hit a sack fly. Getting to your point, it was getting to the point where it was so bad that they were having him safety squeeze whenever there was someone on third. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And that's how you know you're struggling. Yeah. I like Grisham, man, but I mean this is do or this is this is make or break. This is truly a make or break year. Like we're not asking for much. You've done it before. You put up a 740 OPS in 2021, and and yeah, you had a really bad back end, but a 740 OPS is 740 OPS, whatever. Um, that, so it's not asking for much. We're asking you to be an average center fielder, like a below, a, a, a below average, even just an average hitter at the plate, but provide us that defense, and you're okay. You, you'll stick around. Um, but if not, the Padres are going to be searching for a center fielder next year and it may not seem up front like the Padres have a lot of money but next year the Padres have a shitload of money like a ton I forgot what I read in the in the Dennis Lynn article it is a lot of money and people don't know it so the Padres could do another mega contract um so we'll see man but that's all I have on Trent Grisham <clears throat> my trap <laughs> We won't. We won't that's get. A, we won't get Shohei. We'll just take Trout. All right. A mega contract. <laughs> I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I I think that you know this is a make or break it year for Grisham. But I'll say this: I think depending on the season, you're going to see one of two outcomes for Grisham. You're going to either see him traded, not be a Padre, 2024, or you're going to see him extended. I don't think there's an in between. I think it's one or the other, because they they want to see him succeed so badly like they really really want it to work out and and the way that they've shown that is that 
he has played now for three straight years and he's going to play for a fourth consecutive season. Like he's been the full-time starter. So I don't know. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's probably it. Right. I don't yeah. think we really got anything else. No. Anything else you guys want to add? Any, any updates, spring training stuff? I feel like there's not really a lot going on. Everyone, all, all the star players just basically less left outside of Fernando right now for the world baseball classic. Like, a day or two ago. So yeah. I think we're going to keep Shohei kind of seeing these battles. Yeah. What was that? Shohei pimped the hell out of a home run in Japan. The he one did. on one knee? Yeah, that, was, that shit was sick. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, No, nothing else, man. Don't don't worry about Fernando's struggles. It's literally 10 at-bats. Uh, um, Soto's going to get extended this week. Um. Yeah, nothing else. All right, final question. World Baseball Classic starts in two days. Who do y'all got to win? DR. DR. DR is the best roster. The Dominicana. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's that a boring thing, though. Yeah. Um, Saturday. Saturday night. I don't know if you saw this, but it's Venezuela versus DR. That is a good game, especially for the pool games. That's probably yeah. the best game there is. Mm-hmm. So. And it's a Our shame guys. Venezuela getting wiped. Yeah, probably. But but they're even solid, too. That's the thing. So you never know. But yeah. All right, guys. We're going to be back Wednesday, 530. Uh, we'll see you all there. And then also should be having a guest next week. Should be having a couple little show updates and stuff. So we'll let you all know about that. But have a great night. And we'll talk to you all on Wednesday. See you all soon.